This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, Episode 337, The Periodic Table of Abundance, Part 8, Unveiling a Holistic Wealth Beyond Money. Traditional financial planning is no longer working. And in the new normal economy, your host, certified financial planner Mark Willis, invites you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious, be stable, be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. Hey guys, can you believe it? We are already here at the last part of our eight-part mini-series on the periodic table of financial abundance. It has gone by so fast, and I'm sure that there's a lot more we could explore into the details of each of these financial elements. It is a wonder and a privilege that I have as a financial planner that I get to meet with clients, and I get to dive deep into these topics, explore them, and more importantly, implement them into my clients' financial lives. Our job in this last episode is to really help you think and live differently with your money, your economy, and your future. Each of these elements that we've covered in the last several episodes will help you do exactly that. Now, again, we've been exploring the essential universal elements that make up a truly abundant financial life, not just in terms of money, but in terms of health, relationships, purpose, happiness, and lots more. So if you haven't listened to the previous episodes, I highly recommend you go back and check those out first. And you can find all of them at nyafinancialpodcast.com or just go through your favorite podcast app to find them as well. And don't forget to subscribe while you're there. Now, in this final episode, we're going to be focusing on two of the financial elements that I think bring clarity and also motivation for helping you achieve the rest of your financial portfolio. These, like with all the other financial elements, really make up the elements of the pursuit of abundance in your life. Without these two elements that we'll be discussing today, you'd be missing some essential pieces to the overall puzzle. It's like the key piece to the entire puzzle. So let's dive in. The first element is holistic wealth. Holistic wealth. This includes all aspects of wealth, not just money. So really, We've been spending a long time talking about abundance and financial independence and more, but what does it really mean to be wealthy? Is it just having a lot of money in the bank? Is it being able to buy whatever you want, whenever you want it? Is it the status symbol of a big house or a fancy car or regular international travel? I mean, all those are really nice, don't get me wrong, but they don't necessarily make you wealthy. In fact, Some might say that having all that might actually make you poorer in other areas of your life. So it's true that wealth is not just about money. It's about having abundance in every dimension of your life, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, social. Yeah, and of course, financial, but it's it's about having true abundance between your work and your personal life. Holistic wealth is about having a sense of purpose, of meaning, and what you do both at work and outside of work. It's about having healthy relationships with yourself and with other people. And of course, it's about influencing the rest of the world in a positive way. So finding true abundance in a holistic way is not something that you just achieve and then move on to other areas. It's going to be a pursuit that is going to last the rest of your life and maybe even beyond your life. So we talked about this in a previous episode, episode 326, where we talk about playing the infinite game. 
And focusing on holistic wealth is certainly an infinite game. There's no end to that game. You'll be cultivating holistic wealth over the rest of your life and helping you make intentional choices that align with your goals and your values. Katrina, my wife, loves to say inch by inch, it's a cinch, and yard by yard, it's hard. So nurture and protect the progress you've made in all the areas of abundance in your life, from your health to your relationships, to your finances, and tons more. Now, one of the best ways to learn how to achieve holistic wealth is to learn from those who've already done it. One of my favorites in this area is Rabbi Daniel Lappin. He's a renowned author. He's a speaker, radio host. He was actually a podcast guest on our show back in episode 186, if you want to hear his his discussion about this. But Rabbi Lappin's most recent book is called Holistic You where he's written on the topic of wealth and prosperity. Now, in his materials, he really unpacks this concept of what he calls the five Fs. Those are faith, fitness, family, finances, and friends. Now, these are the five pillars of holistic wealth that Rabbi Lappin believes are essential for living the rich and rewarding life. So a couple of these that we'll just touch on briefly. Faith. Faith is, of course, the foundation of holistic wealth. That seems strange something so esoteric as faith, but I'm here to tell you that, honestly, it's the belief that there's something higher and more powerful than you that has created us and cares for us. Faith is the trust that there is a purpose and a plan for your life, that there's a confidence that we can really overcome any challenge with with our Creator's help. Faith is what gives us hope and courage and resilience that helps us overcome stress, anxiety, fear, Faith is what helps us to live with a sense of gratitude or generosity, compassion. It motivates us to seek out a more thoughtful and even wise lifestyle. So is faith an asset? Could you put it on your balance sheet? You bet you can. Yeah, you can invest in your faith. Absolutely. How can you build your confidence? What can you do to increase your hope and capacity for dependence on a higher power? This is a topic that's way beyond the scope of today's short episode, but please understand that there are incredible and even eternal benefits to exploring this part of your holistic wealth. Everything else is just firewood by comparison. Now, I put fitness next in this list of five Fs because honestly, without your health, what good is the wealth of the entire world? Developing your personal health through diet, exercise, mental toughness is crucial. Your family and also your friends are going to be key to helping you build a rich and socially abundant life. I mean, does it really matter how much money you have if you don't have your health and you have no one else to share it with? If you have no one else to spend it on or to trade with back and forth? Definitely not. So could you invest in this part of your abundant life? Do you feel like spending time with your friends? Is it a form of investing or is it draining you? Is it a form of developing abundance and thriving? Do you see spending time with your family at Thanksgiving as an asset or a liability? Do you seek out ways to intentionally develop partnerships and friendships and close relationship connections? Are you putting all of these things on the calendar? I can tell a lot about your priorities by what you have on your calendar. For example, are you calling your parents? Have you set aside time to spend time with your siblings? Are you showing up to the holiday neighborhood parties? Are you making time on your calendar for physical fitness? Are you heading to the gym? 
If I asked you what you're eating, are they mostly whole foods or is it mostly processed junk? How would you answer? All of this comes back down to your holistic wealth. It's not just what's on the balance sheet of a financial statement. Now, how can we grow in this area? What are some ways we can spend the currencies of our life? Now, I've talked elsewhere about how there are four currencies to our life. There's money, of course. That's one of the four currencies, but money is actually the least important currency of all. The three other more important currencies are time, energy, and attention. The greatest and even the most finite currency of all is time. And we devoted a whole episode to this concept pretty recently in episode 324. So go back and check that one out. With more time, you can devote your attention and energy to almost anything else, whether digging for gold or lifting weights at the gym to build that truly holistically abundant life is all about allocating your time. So find ways to take hold of the currency of time. Learn how to invest and save time. Learn what ways in your life you're wasting time. All of this impacts your holistic wealth. Now, I know people who have almost nothing on the financial balance sheet of their life. And yet I can tell you from interacting with them that they are truly abundant. I'm thinking about a couple right now that I met recently out of California. They have very little in savings. They don't make much money, but they understand the more important pieces to abundance. Their relationship to each other seems strong. They have a good partnership with each other and friendships outside of their marriage. Their work is something that they can really believe in and feel good about. They're physically fit and they've devoted their time, energy, and attention to causes greater than themselves. And yet, if you were to look at their bank statement, most of their transactions are going to be in the single digits and their income is not much greater. But who cares? They are truly living a holistically wealthy life. Jim Rohn said it best. If you have a goal to get a million dollars, don't get a million dollars for the money. Get it for what it will make of you to achieve it. Ooh, love that. Get it for what it will make of you to achieve it. The greatest value of life is not what you get. The greatest value of life is what you become. End quote. So let's move on to the next and final element in our periodic table. The element of review and preview. This is a skill that oftentimes gets overlooked in the frantic pursuit of financial abundance. Many of us live in the present with our financial lives. How much do we have in the bank today? How much can we spend today? This ultimately leads to making very short-term decisions and causes a lot of pain. Still, other people are going to be spending most of their time thinking about the future, worrying and stressing about what's to come. We think about previewing the month or the year or the next recession or retirement or sending the kid to college or how we're going to make it all happen. How many sleepless nights are spent thinking about previewing what's to come in our financial life? How many financial deaths have we suffered in our dreams? And finally, some people are going to be spending way too much of their time living in the past with their financial life. They're reviewing over and over again. They follow the same tired advice that they were told 30 years ago, like buying term and investing the difference, to invest in buying their house because the house values, well, you know, they always go up, don't they? Or just buy the stock market and hold on to it for the long term and hope for the best, hope and pray for the best. Because, of course, the market will always do what it's always done and there's never going to be a day of reckoning coming. This is all the myth of advice in in the financial world. Other people will do a great job of let's say, reconciling their budget. They'll look into the past 
and they'll say, how much did I spend on toilet paper at Target last Tuesday? For example, they know all about that, but they've never really begun to think about building a true cash flow plan for the next 30 days. You know, who cares what I spent on toilet paper at Target last Tuesday? What about what I'm going to do to cover all my bills before I get paid again? And I've taught elsewhere that there's a big difference between reconciling expenses and truly building a cash flow management budget system. But when we truly understand the past, the present, and the future and how they work together, that's where our finances are headed, where we can learn to truly control our financial environment, where our money lives, and where it's headed to. Nelson Nash said it first. He said, Somehow or another, it never dawns on most financial gurus that you can control the financial environment in which your money lives. Perhaps it's a lack of understanding. Whatever the reason, learning to control it is the most profitable thing one can do over a lifetime. End quote. So, the most profitable thing, Nelson says, that's saying quite a bit. So, how do we control the environment in which our money lives? This is where learning to review and preview is so important. So this can be as simple as taking stock of where things went over the last 12 months. Now guys, realize it does not have to be January 1st with a clean sheet of paper and a brand new calendar to review where things have been. It could be May 23rd or October 22nd. You could decide right now to look back and to look forward and to take stock and take control of the environment where your money lives. But how do you actually do that? What do you actually do to take control of your financial environment? Well, first of all, you must have the mindset uh, for a reflective pause followed by intentional planning resulting in action that leads to better and better and better results. Action always creates a result. Your results will undergird your belief about what's possible. And then your belief then determines what your next action will be which yields the next result and so on and so on. So if you don't have a plan for your action, your activity will always be a frantic activity rather than a applied wisdom. So the first skill set in this financial element is the skill set of effective reflection. And I use the skill of thinking time. Now, thinking time is a skill that was made popular by Keith Cunningham in his book, The Road Less Stupid, which is one of the coolest titles I've ever seen on a book, The Road Less Stupid. Uh, The concept of thinking time is very simple. Simply take 30 to 45 minutes of uninterrupted, focused attention on one well-crafted question. Usually you'll follow five disciplines throughout this 30 to 45 minutes that you're just sitting there and journaling. And let's go through these five disciplines. I think it'll help us. So the first discipline is to ask the unasked question. One question isn't typically where you end up. You don't. You might start with one idea or question, but you end up, as you're doing this thinking time, yielding a series of better and better questions, which generate better and better choices for you going forward. So we think when we're feeling stuck around a certain issue, our aim is to kind of grope around for the right answer. But the problem that we need to look for is really that we have a wrong question embedded in our minds. So when you look back over the last six months or six years, you examine the things that you're regretting about your financial life or that you're concerned about for your future, figure out how to ask the unasked question. For example, don't ask, why am I poor? Instead, maybe frame the problem in a different framework, like how might I so that I can dot, dot, dot. So for example, 
how might I generate an additional $20,000 a month in profits so that we might afford to invest in a new building and double our capacity? Now, that's a much better way of asking the question than why am I poor or why do our profits suck? So our questions that we ask often get us down a track. Our minds want to answer that question. So other questions you might ask at this stage is, how did it get this way? Why does it stay that way? How can I improve the way it works or how it looks? When you think about where you're at today in your financial life, ask yourself, what needs to be broken? That's a key question. What needs to be broken? Kind of a weird question. It's usually a more productive question than what needs to be fixed. Now, see, our minds typically like to look for what needs to be fixed. Maybe our portfolio needs to be reallocated or you know, maybe we need to increase our savings or whatever it might be. But typically, you're going to find more value in figuring out what in your financial life needs to be broken in order to find better and better solutions. So it's all about learning to ask the right questions. And these are typically the most important assets in your portfolio are your questions. Learning to ask the right question helps expand the number of possible solutions. It improves your situation dramatically. Having the right answer is smart, Keith Cunningham says. Having the right answer is smart, but having the right question is genius. So your job in this element is to get absolutely clear on the right question. Once you have the right question, you can invest time in that question to get great answers. And you're going to find that typically your mind drifts to whatever your pain is at that moment. Typically, your symptoms are whatever your mind was wanting to fix. So your bank account balance is small, so you couldn't buy that nice juicy steak last night, or you couldn't get that nice car that you wanted to buy. And it's so small, your bank balance is so small, you might need a magnifying glass. So you might be tempted to focus on how do I make my savings account bigger? And that may or may not be the real problem. The real problem might be more strategic and less tactical. You know, just because you're dissatisfied with your savings account doesn't mean that's where you should spend most of your time fixing the issue. Now, the solution to a small bank balance might not be cutting coupons, but you might immediately think that's what you need to do. Oh, just spend less. But actually, your real solution might be increasing your income. And even better than that, it might be learning the skills of negotiation to help you close a bigger sale or uh, asking for a raise from your boss. That's very different than your original solution, which was to clip coupons or you know, increase your savings account. So by learning to understand the difference between the symptom that you're experiencing versus the true problem is crucial to helping you review and preview what's to come. Another key discipline in reviewing your financial situation is to continually ask, what don't I see? This is the third uh, discipline in the thinking time process, consistently checking your assumptions. Generally speaking, the blind spots or the unexamined assumptions in your life are going to be what yield us the most pain <laughs> and ruin. So we're really good at crafting well-designed but fictional stories about our lives. So this might mean like the market always goes up or crypto will certainly be the future or the stock market always works over the long term or taxes will be lower in my retirement. These are all assumptions that we've got to get clear about. Uh, just look at some of the major companies like Kodak. It invented the digital camera guys, but of course they didn't use it. They shelved it and they went bankrupt. MySpace, they figured out social media at first, but then they got kicked out by other giants. So keep asking yourself, what do I not see? 
The next crucial discipline for is to consider the second order consequences. Now, there are so many ways we can miss the point and miss the consequences of our actions. So let's talk about unintended second order consequences. We might call this adventures in missing the point. Now, I have plenty of examples of that in my 20s, okay? But let's go to one way before I was born. During their rule of colonial India, the British failed to consider second-order consequences. They had the possibility of being wrong in their snake eradication program. So being new to the area, the British were really scared of these large number of venomous king cobras in New Delhi. So they offered a generous bounty to every dead cobra that was collected and brought to the town. The bounty system was awesome. It was a fantastic success. And locals brought in huge numbers of dead cobras to turn in for their reward. And as the pool of snakes began less and less, the bounty became more difficult. And some smart entrepreneurial Indians realized that they could breed these king cobras in captivity and continue to receive the bounty. So soon, a large cottage industry of snake farming sprang into life. And when the British became aware of this scheme, they immediately scrapped the bounty program, thinking that would just totally fix the problem. But it fixed their symptom. It didn't consider the second order consequence. The cobra farmers now had no use for these thousands of poisonous snakes they were raising, so they just released all the snakes back into the wild. So the second order consequence is that there were more king cobras, twice as many, as before this good idea was ever hatched. So we only have a choice about the decision we're about to make. We don't know what the consequences always will be. So Keep in mind, look out for those second order consequences. There are risks there. The risk doesn't cease to exist just because we bury our heads in the sand. And an honest assessment of what might go wrong and the probability of things going sideways is super valuable in helping you minimize your dumb tax. So just keep asking yourself, what is the upside? That's something we love to think about and we're usually experts on. Second, ask, what is my downside? What are we typically trying to avoid thinking about? That's typically our downside, how things can go terribly, horribly wrong. And the third question, can I live with the downside? Finally, in your thinking time, the fifth discipline is creating the machine. What Mr. Cunningham, Keith Cunningham, means by developing a machine is creating a system or meaningful activity, changing the way things are done today. It's implementing a change in your priority, changes in your allocation of your resources like time, energy, attention, money, tangibly making a difference, getting absolutely clear about your shift and all of the key elements of your life. That's crucial to helping you build and turn on the machine that will change your financial future. So the idea here is to build a machine that will attack your problem, not just, you know, alleviate your symptoms. Don't just start clipping coupons, build the machine that helps you increase your income. So maybe your machine, for example, is to block some time on your calendar to read a book on negotiation over the next 30 days and to book a meeting with your boss to ask for a raise. So regardless of the change, you have to shift your priorities and take action if you're going to be effective in your thinking time. Sure, anyone can just sit on a stone and think about their life, but if you're going to be effective, you have to take action. Previewing is not just for the monks on top of a mountain. It's for the man in the arena, as Teddy Roosevelt would say. It's for the warrior sage, someone who is neck deep in the battle, but is willing to set aside the time to think critically and crucially about where you've come from and where in your financial life you're going. So what about you? 
As far as this miniseries goes, we are reaching its conclusion and will be on to other things. Will you do anything about the content I've shared over the last eight weeks? What machines will you build? If you fail to take the right steps, what second-order consequences are you facing that you can't see? How are you implementing the review and preview element? What about the element of holistic wealth? And more broadly, what about every element we've discussed in this periodic table of financial abundance miniseries? I'd say, guys, just pick one or at most two to focus on over the next 30 days. Then pick another and then another. If you follow Amanda Neely's podcast, which is an incredible show, by the way, Wealth Wisdom Financial Podcast, you know that one of her steps and her still method is to look for the micro adjustment. In what way can you make a micro adjustment to at least one of these elements in your portfolio this month? Maybe it's just a 1% improvement in your savings rate over the next 90 days. Maybe it's reading one book on real estate investing or reaching out to a financial planner and adding them to your money team. Whatever it is, consistently review where you've been and prepare earnestly for where you're going. Use the skills that I've shared today and be ready for an adventure of a lifetime. Thank you guys for this mini series. It's been a lot of fun for me. Thank you for joining me for this series and for today's episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think and live differently with your money, your economy, and your future. This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. To join a financial revolution and start thinking different about money, go to www.nyafinancialpodcast.com and click Request a Meeting. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.